Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 609 with our review of Shirley. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And for joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, here we are talking about a little film called Shirley, um, which is a, is a story about a woman named Shirley Jackson who uh, writes stories. <laughs> Stephen, before watching this film, were you familiar at all with any of the works of Shirley Jackson? I had never read any of her stories, but I was familiar with her existence in that I know she wrote The Haunting of Hill House. And I know there is a, she carries some mythology of the the tortured artist who passed away too young, potentially due to, um, she, I mean, she died of heart disease, but I think it was considered to be a part of depression, right? That it, that it flowed something from the torment of her work. So I knew that. I, I feel like other movies have tried to depict her before, though I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> so I was aware of her existence, but I don't know anything about her style. I don't know any specific things about her work. I would imagine this movie is probably pulling elements out of her actual work and putting them in here. It just seems like what the move would be, <laughs> but I can't actually speak to that at all. I didn't know enough about the real woman in real life, um, but I have seen the Netflix show, The Haunting of Hill House, which I did enjoy very much. Um, And when I saw the trailer for this, I had no connection to like, this is the person who wrote that story. Mm -hmm. Um, But my girlfriend has read um, some of the works of Shirley Jackson, so she was excited to see this film. Um, So I was like, cool. And it's like, that's the one who wrote The Haunting of Hill House. I'm like, oh, cool. So this is where all that craziness comes from. Um, so yeah, so I, I was definitely curious um, about watching this film, um, not because of my real connection to the source material, just a tiny bit of knowing one of the stories that she wrote. Um, I did have one counterpoint, though, which is that uh, the filmmaker <laughs> made Madeline's Madeline, uh, which mm-hmm. is definitely a film that Stephen and I did not agree upon the uh, merit of. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did not see eye to eye on that one. <laughs> no, we, we did not. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're going to find out um, whether this follow up to Madeline's Madeline um, is more Madeline or more Madeline? <laughs> I guess. I think I'm more of a Madeline. What do you think? <laughs> is, is that is that uh, turning it into a Sex in the City joke? <laughs> yeah. She, she needs to make make a follow-up to this called Madeline's Madeline, and it's the same story, but instead of Shirley Jackson, it's Madeline Langle, who wrote all those like semi-Christian fiction books that, <laughs> from the look on your face, you did not read growing up, but I definitely read. <laughs> no, I did not read these. A Swiftly Tilting Planet, Wind in the Door, um, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> I mean, from titles alone, they sound like they're just riveting. <laughs> hey, they're... I may have not read them since I was eight years old, so I'm not totally confident in telling you that they are fantastic. All right. Well, when they eventually make the movie about the woman who wrote them. Um, oh, A Wrinkle in Time. That's the main one that she wrote. I'm, I'm naming oh. all the sequels instead of the, the okay, big gotcha. famous one. But a Wrinkle in Time, I am aware of. <laughs> yeah. Don't you feel stupid now? <laughs> yeah, I do. That one I read and watched the movie. 
but I bet few people have read what is probably the fourth sequel to that called Many Waters, which is about a kid who accidentally goes back to antediluvian, so before the flood times, and meets Noah and his sons and has to prepare for the flood. And there's like Nephilim having sex with people and all sorts of crazy shit. I just hope that they're described the way that uh, Aronofsky <laughs> describes his Nephilim. I think they're big and purple, if I if I remember correctly. Hmm. I guess not. Yeah. Not not giant rock monsters. Maybe though. there is a non-zero chance that my kid brain decided they looked like my gargoyles action figure, <laughs> which was big and purple. <laughs> so they could be rock <laughs> that monsters. That actually makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> what do you say, Stephen? We get into this review of Shirley. Surely you're joking. <laughs> I wish that I were, Stephen. <laughs> we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Shirley, and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. <laughs> to our suffering, my dear. There's not enough scotch in the world for that. <laughs> Shirley, what are you writing now? A little novella. I'm calling none of your goddamn business. <laughs> We were invited to stay here for a few days until we can find a place. Shirley has these spells. She's gone sick in the head. I read your story. What are you doing in here? It made me feel thrillingly horrible. Do you know what it's like to have a secret? What are you up to? That girl. What do you think? Trite and a bit trashy, but uh, yeah, give it a go. I like you, Rosie. Can I trust you? I feel like we're in the Scottish play. On the verge of madness. What will happen? See your secret looks. Freud would have had a field day. Counting down from three. Three, two, one. Oh, you've done it. What becomes of your dear heroine? What happens to all lost girls? So that was the trailer for Shirley. Um, it is the story of a time in Shirley Jackson's life where she was writing a new story, or at least trying to work her way through writing a new story. And it's uh, sort of follows her, her husband, and uh, these two newlyweds who come live with the, the family for a little bit during the period of time she's writing this story. Um, Stephen Miller, how much did you love Shirley? <laughs> <laughs> I liked Shirley. Um, I think this is, maybe you will disagree. I think this is considerably less abrasive than Madeline's Madeline, but that also <laughs> makes it less interesting to watch. I think the subject that it is fixated on is just inherently a little bit less 
explosive, a little bit less personal. You know, it it keeps things more at a remove. So there's a lot here that is very similar to Madeline's Madeline, which is why I'm just confident you did not like it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, some of it is just thematic, which means maybe you you could enjoy it. You know, the idea of fact and fiction blurring together, the idea of like inhabiting a character as a way of understanding them. That was a huge thing in Madeline's Madeline. The best scene in that movie was her inhabiting her mother and a bunch of people basically acting out an argument in real life and yeah this kind of feels similarly where there's the the story of paula the girl who goes missing and this rose character is constantly kind of being spliced with her and it it is never really clear what is real and what isn't the two are just kind of mingling with each other um there is the idea of like art as an act of creation, which is somehow an act of sexual awakening and also insanity. <laughs> you know, I think that is a, that's less a theme than it is a bunch of words that I'm stringing together, but that is the feeling, right? Is like creating is destructive, right? It's kind of like mother. I think we compared Madeline's Madeline to mother also uh, back when that came out. Um, and you feel that here in this kind of suffocating large house that they're in where Shirley Jackson is, terrible to people and she is depressed and she is mean and conniving and also prone to manic fits of inspiration and everything suddenly means so much to her right and it's this idea of like if you could really open yourself up to your emotions what would it do um then there's a lot of stylistic things that are in common with this. It has the elliptical editing, you know, where things kind of splice back and forth, future and past. Uh, it has interpretive dance <laughs> a couple times in the movie, which felt like a nice little nod. And the main word that I think of when I watch this filmmaking is tactile. This is a movie where you feel like you can feel the camera. You can feel like the heat of whatever you're looking at. Like you can hear the breath of the characters, right? It's very like intimate and close in a way that is meant to be uncomfortable um and i think the movie is definitely uncomfortable like it's jarring it has this music uh that will just suddenly go in for these kind of twangy strings or like sudden percussion in a way that feels like if you were in like a pt anderson movie the percussion would keep going and it would be this thing like propelling you forward like jangling into the plot but here it'll just happen like once or twice and then nothing like the the movie is not trying to get you into a rhythm the movie's trying to like throw you out of your rhythm yeah. um and yeah ultimately that that worked for me in the story of a young girl in what i believe is the 1960s in vermont kind of just feeling the the confines of being a woman in society and the sense that you can't really trust anyone. You brought up Invisible Man, and I do think this kind of ties with that again. This is sort of like gaslighting part two, um, but this is a much more cerebral take on the idea of like, let's just paint a picture of women who are kind of falling apart because of the lives that the world of men basically that they're forced to live in um i think elizabeth moss is as always very good at acting unhinged um i actually (laughs) really 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 enjoyed michael stuhlbarg as stanley hyman the professor i feel like he was born to play this type of like creepy professor character who is acting the opposite of his character in call me by your name (laughs) he is he is the exact opposite of that character and the two of them they just have this like 
hellish relationship that seems so academic and dour and it's kind of fun to watch um yeah i'm on the logan lerman train (laughs) after last week i can't say he gets a whole lot to do here though except for being the pretty and potentially not perfect face um (laughs) and yeah odessa young in the lead potentially not perfect yeah i'm just trying to not reveal anything maybe this man is perfect you know the audience doesn't know um Odessa Young, I think, does a good job. She's basically becoming a mini Shirley. Like, I feel like she is absorbing some of the negative feelings. She's taking whatever Shirley is exercising and is, like, slowly absorbing that. I think by the end of the movie, there's a kind of clear, like, balance shift that has happened among the characters. Um, And that's pretty much all i feel i don't really know what it means <laughs> beyond that but it just felt like a an interesting jaunt into this style that i that i appreciated yeah so as we teased at the beginning of uh this review um i was not a fan of madeline's madeline it was a little too abstract um too disconnected from reality and too sort of metaphorical for my taste. Um, like the, the the entire film literally is interpretive dance, and I'm bad at interpreting. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> and I'm bad at dancing. <laughs> so it, it was. I struggled. I struggled bad to get through Madeline's Madeline. Um, it just. It was. I, I. I knew. I knew from like the opening scene <laughs> that film was not for me. Um, I was slightly interested to see Shirley and figure out what was uh, going to be happening in this film. Um, even the first time I watched the trailer, I didn't notice the from the person who gave you Madeline's Madeline at first. But when I rewatched the trailer recently, I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm probably not going to like this movie. Um, and I think that I did not distest it as much as I distested Madeline's Madeline. Um, I like, they better slap that bad boy on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> I did not detest it. Christopher Schnee's got this for the warning podcast. Um, uh, obviously Elizabeth Moth- Moss is amazing in this film. Um, she is just like, maybe it's not even acting. Maybe she literally went insane um, because she was so confused when she read the script. Yeah, and how long would it take us to know if Elizabeth Moss went insane? <laughs> how many movies do you think it would take before we're like, I think someone's got to check on her. <laughs> I think uh, well, Scientology I mean, got to her head. Yeah, I know. She, she's she's taken care of already. I mean, she's Phaeton mm. free and all that jazz. Um, she should yeah. be totally fine. Get away from me, Phaeton. Yeah. If, if, if anybody needs to check on her, Tom Cruise will be there. <laughs> Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I, it it was funny. Like as soon as this film started, cause I mean, if you watch the trailer, there is, there is a semblance of a plot, like, right. There is something like, it's clear that there's a woman who's trying not to go mad. Who's trying to write a story about a woman who was lost. Um, and like, there you go. There's like a whole cohesive thought that exists in that thing. So when I, when I was sitting down, I was like, this this won't be Madeline's Madeline. This is going to be a more cohesive, real narrative. And I think that like as soon as the film started, I was like, man, if I didn't know this was connected to Madeline's Madeline and you put a gun to my head and said, who made this film? I'd be like, Madeline's Madeline. <laughs> um, it 
it was like there is there is definitely a a a style and a theme um to to the filmmaking in this and that that is completely reminiscent of Madeline's Madeline um and that is as you as you called it you said this is less abrasive but being less abrasive than Madeline's Madeline is still being pretty damn abrasive um, for my taste uh, <laughs> so i found it difficult to settle in and really enjoy this i like the performances one thing i i it was abrasive enough that i was keying into things that i wouldn't nem- normally pay attention to um so a little little background on how i watched this film um I I watched this film projected with like stereo Bluetooth speakers set up. And um, this film does this interesting thing where there's a cadence of a day night cycle that this film goes to. Mm-hmm. And every morning, it's just this intensely bright, often beautifully framed setup of like the day is resetting. And then just like this, whoa, shock. And when you're in a room with no lights because everything's turned off, and then you're watching a projector screen and everything's dark and like sort of orangey and all of a sudden you get this bright blue skyline or or like snowy area. Um, it's kind of like a shock to your system. And it's like, yeah, that's the kind of transcendent experience that can make you love Carol, for instance, <laughs> I found. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sitting I, in the front row in a dark room. <laughs> yeah, um, but I really appreciated that. But also the sound design in this film is really, really interesting. Um, there are scenes I don't I don't know. Did uh, how did, did you watch it? TV, headphones, iPad, what did you uh, watch? TV, it? no headphones. No heads, okay. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know what your audio experience is, but like there are scenes where, you know, Elizabeth Moss is in a bathtub, like zoning out, doing her thing, and there are like drips that are coming from different places. And, and it just, there, there was a weird audio experience that I was getting at multiple times during this film that I really had fun with. I was like, oh, this is like, like, the crazy visuals are mimicked by crazy audio mixing and stuff like that. And I, I had fun with those moments of the film. Um, besides that though, I, <laughs> I don't know what this movie is about. <laughs> These, this film is not for me, Steven. Mm-hmm. I don't know what more to say about it. I, I don't, yeah, it's about feelings. So, okay, so you can trace basically the arc of Shirley and the arc of Rose and compare that to the story of Paula, the girl who is getting lost, right? And Shirley at the beginning of the movie is in one of her ruts, right? And you get the sense that, that she needs people who she can kind of... There's a vampiric quality, right, where she will take something from them and they will be made worse by it. Like, she's going to torment them. Early in the movie, The they're ha- going to have dinner together and Shirley and her husband, Stanley, basically say, like, let's fuck with them at dinner. You know, in, in so many words. They're like, yeah. we're going to do that. And they have this kind of devilish smile and they just aim to kind of wind people up and ruin their lives. Um, and so that is happening. And then you have the arc of Rose, who is learning more and more about this empty world of academia and academic men in particular who think they know everything. And yeah, that's about as far as I know into what it is about. The rest is just a feeling (laughs) smeared into, you know, 102 minutes or however long this movie is. Well, it's, it's, there is so many weird things that are happening in this film because at the beginning of this film, we learned that Rose is pregnant 
Um, she hasn't told Fred uh, that that she is, and she is sort of she. Part of the reason she's trying to keep it quiet is because she knows, given the time frame, that she's going to be discounted in school and probably going to be relegated to just being at home with the child. Um, and she sort of is rebelling against that. But I feel like over the course of the film, Shirley like domesticates her. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like she, she is falling victim to the thing that she didn't want to fall victim to through the eyes of a person who she, you, we, we can't tell if she actually idolizes her or if she's just really impressed by a single uh, story that she read of hers. Um, but it seems like she is, she wants to get in a good graces, but in doing so, she does all the things that in theory, Logan Lerman would be asking of her <laughs> um, yeah. because he's a shitty dude, but she's doing it for Shirley instead of him. And he doesn't care because he's off at the Shakespeare society. And I, there, there, there's just, I, there's a lot of ideas that are happening and I don't know how they mesh together or what I'm supposed to take from them. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's a sense that Shirley is kind of like the dance instructor character in Madeline's Madeline, where she's trying to create something through this person. And in the process, she is taking this person for granted and maybe destroying them. And like, like it's true, like she's trying to create in Rose this sense of liberation from the confines of being a domesticated housewife but she made her that like she made her more of that so she could have this liberating feeling when she breaks free from it and there there is something very twisted about that right it's like you are you're projecting the confines onto this person like like in a real way you made her the housewife and your husband helped to make her husband the stereotypical man like that isn't to say he wouldn't have been that anyway but yeah their world is the thing that is entrancing and that their world is kind of the same world that Shirley Jackson as an author is presumably writing about the struggle to break free from. Right. And and so there's a twisty kind of meta thing to it where like she's trying to tell a story about the weight that some oppression holds. And in the process, she's like oppressing someone just to get to relive or refeel those emotions again. Yeah. Um, and that's and then, the only smart thing I can say. <laughs> are we supposed to believe that Shirley actually believes that her husband may have killed this missing girl? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think she doesn't buy the uh, buy the argument. What a power move, though, eating the piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Rooney Mara is like, I ate a whole cherry pie. And Elizabeth Moss is like, all right, I got that. Elaborate <laughs> card, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's asking for pie like she wants to know if they have any pie in the fridge <laughs> so there's just deep connections flowing through this movie yeah um i will say this so i've done some of my due diligence in independent cinema and watched a couple of films by john cassavetes who's kind of considered to be like one of the fathers of american independent filmmaking and some of Cassavetti's stuff is very, very abrasive. Like, he'll he'll look at the downfall of two couples, and it'll just, for, like, 20 minutes, it will just be scenes of people getting very drunk and, like, singing and dancing and then yelling at each other and then singing and dancing again. <laughs> and Shirley and Stanley's relationship felt very much like one of those Cassavetti's movies to me. Like, 
like Stanley has this energy in his classroom and that he brings home with him where he's just like, let's dance and be merry and be silly. And then in one instant, I'm going to turn it and just like stab you, you know, with the perfect word to make you feel bad. And it's just like, I don't know. It's people who are intellectually masturbatory, basically people who are just like, I am so smart. I am just going to toy with the world. I'm just going to like, fuck whoever i want i'm gonna fuck over whoever i want and i'm going to like kiss you and then insult you and then make you leave and then expect you to cook me dinner the next day like there i I don't know there's a grossness to it that i don't know why the movie wants me to see that but i did feel like the point (laughs) came across gross is a good word to describe stanley in this film he is Mm -hmm. um there's just a lot of things that he does in eye shot of everybody there's like it's not even trying to like get away with it like he wants you to see him and wants you to know that he doesn't give any fucks Mm -hmm. i really wonder if the real stanley was like that because if not because it was a real literary critic uh who was married to shirley jackson and if he wasn't that womanizing asshole this movie really (laughs) i don't know somebody (laughs) should be mad at this movie i just want to know was it before or after this that he invented the character of Spider-Man? <laughs> oh, good question. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, can, can you tell me what Stanley's job was? Like, what was he a professor of? Jukeboxes? Um, <laughs> I think he is a probably a professor of comparative literature, uh, but I'm not sure. Like, definitely something in, like, literary tradition or literary criticism but but every single thing he did was just purely music based and when logan lerman gets his chance to teach a class he also turns on a song (laughs) yeah but i i think we only see two things one of him and one of logan lerman and i think it's logan teaching the same intro um class that he taught before and he's just taking the opening like he's doing the exact lecture that he told him to do basically for some reason i thought it was a different song like like he chose his own song but maybe not Mm, they i don't know all lead belly songs sound the same to me (laughs) all right uh are there any last things that you'd like to say about this film um i think this movie gives Vast of Night a run for its money in terms of how much danger it potentially puts a baby in. <laughs> no, no, that, that's all I got. All I can really say is that I, I really like Josephine Decker's filmmaking style, and I think I agree that it could be better suited to a story with an emotional arc that I fully understand. Because I think like the the raw materials are so good, and I don't know that they always add up to everything that they could. But I just love moment to moment. I love the the sound design. I love the camera work. I love the the dreamy kind of like tactile nature of everything. There's a lot of texture to the the movie and to Madeline's Madeline that I admire a lot. And I'm really curious to see what happens if she points that in a mildly less experimental direction just to see what happens yeah i mean i (laughs) we're moving from more and more abstract to more and more grounded so there's very very much potential that like in like one or two movies i'm gonna be like really really into it her florida project is coming up next like the movie (laughs) that just completely gets you (laughs) 
I mean, we can all we can all hope. <laughs> yep. Uh, the good news is that uh, with the the craziness of her camera and how much stuff is flashing back and forth, it'll be easier to re- to shoot things in quarantine <laughs> than than more That's traditionally true. shot films. <laughs> I think if anyone can pull off a good movie about quarantine, it's going to be her. I think she'll really get to the heart of how it feels to wake up in the same place for 90 days straight. Yeah. But it'll actually be a story about how, like, we were always in quarantine and now we're actually free. Yeah. The secret is to become the turtle or the cat or whatever. (laughs) Be the cat. Emerge from the womb. All right. So Stephen Miller... Let's get to verdicts. If you were going to give this a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for until pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving it a recommend with a caveat. I, I think, for me, the filmmaking was enough to make me like more than happy that I was watching it. I, I was really into it. And I think it is interesting. And if I knew more of Shirley Jackson's work, I imagine there would be homages to that genre that would kind of be added you know, a cherry on top. We'll find out shortly when your uh, your personal investigator <laughs> reports back to us on that. Um, but for me, you know, it's Josephine Decker style. You can either get on board or not. But if you are on board, I think this movie delivers the goods. And you have Elizabeth Moss. You have Michael Stilbarg. Like, what what more could you want? Uh, satisfying plot? Sure, maybe. I'll save that one for the must <laughs> the musty. <laughs> but I I was happy with this movie. <laughs> Uh, I, I gave Madeline's Madeline a must avoid. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure you did. So I'm going to bump this up to a pass with a caveat. Um, the caveat is, it's just not my taste. You may enjoy this film. There were definitely moments beat to beat that I thought were interesting. I like that. I like what, what the film is doing with sound, with light and dark transitions. Um, there's lots of stuff in it that, kept me interested like madeline's madeline i was just checked out of when i watched this film i was at least engaged to see what was going to happen next but it never really made that connection that really um became the thing that drew me into what was going on um so you know i'm i'm warming up (laughs) uh so yeah her hand is on your thigh now and you're you're getting closer (laughs) In, give it a week or two and you're going to be just dropping eggs on the floor. <laughs> what was even happening in that scene? She's starting to give no fucks. She's starting to move over to the dark side. <laughs> she was also crazy. Um, she drops eggs. Shirley spills wine. It's chaos. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this review, I guess, of uh, Shirley. <laughs> Steven, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me where you can find all lost podcasters on twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. Um, you can find me checking the registry in the back of checked out library books. Um, or if you don't find me there, you can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thesupportthewarning.com where you get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. 
Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Shirley, so hopefully you are enjoying that. That is it. That is our review. Um, we will be back next week with a review of King of Staten Island. Right? Is that finally yeah. next week? I, yep. Yeah, the 12th. I think there might be something else coming out too, but we'll figure it out. We'll at least have that. So see you next time. Catch you later. King of Queens. <laughs> I bet that's what the name is a reference to now that I say it. Mm-hmm.